You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. Today, I will be joined by Mike Simonetti of 2MR formerly of Italians Do It Better, Trouble Man Limited, guys had, and more sub-labels than we can count over the years. He's going to be with us shortly for a DJ set and an interview, and he's going to be playing at our event this Saturday on the roof. It's The Bunker and 2MR Presents. Uh, Simonetti, his label artist Earth Boys, myself and my label artist Clay Wilson. That's a daytime party on the roof of Output. You can get info on that at thebunkerny.com. You can also get info on the track we're hearing right now, which is off of the Wada Igarashi record, Mood of the Machines. It comes out on The Bunker vinyl and digital next Friday. Uh, Wada's a Japanese artist. This is his first release on the label. So stay tuned. We'll have Simonetti up soon. We have some exclusive tracks. In the meantime, this is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Thank you. 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Uh, that was Wada Igarashi coming out on our label next week. And this is one of the latest releases on 2MR. This is a lack from the Undoing Gaze EP. This track is called Suture. Kind of a long, more ambient thing. Really cool release. So check this out. And Mike will be joining us shortly with a DJ set. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We are here with Mike Simonetti, who walked in. And do you want to tell us what we're listening to right now, Mike? Hi, uh, we're listening to Lack, new track. I forgot the name of the track. Adam, what's the name of the song? I don't even know how to say it. Poly Did you hear that, anyone? Poly something, he said? Yeah. There he is. Something like that. I don't even know. It's uh yeah, it's on the new the new EP on 2MR which is uh Not a label that you guys that you guys run apparently. Apparently. Uh, yeah. How many releases in the first 2 years? Seems like you guys got off to a racing start, huh? We're up to 20 now. Is the next one? 20 in 2 years is a lot. We're yeah. just riding this horse. Yeah. As far as we can before it just falls yeah, we put out 10 on the bunker in the first year, and everybody was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good, though. I, I mean, do, too, actually, as long as, yeah, you're putting out good music and people are into it. Like, what? why does it matter? True. Yeah, I think we might slow down a little bit for the no, rest of the year. Well, the first of this year. Just I bet you will slow down stuff. a little bit eventually. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard to find pressing plants. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We could talk about those woes. That comes up on almost every single radio show. Um, so I assume we're probably going to be hearing, you're going to play a DJ set for us. I imagine we'll be hearing some more 2MR stuff. Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Man, you didn't tell him to play 2MR stuff? <laughs> I told him to play all unreleased stuff. but Well, I had an issue. I, was, I wasn't able to get everything together if I wanted to. <laughs> all right. I bet you got a lot of music on that USB. No, I have a lot, but I, didn't, I was I had to go to the doctor, so I wasn't able to get what I wanted to get together. Okay, so a dog ate your homework. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Though. Okay, so uh, as when this track finishes, we're gonna get into a DJ set from Mike Simonetti, and then we're gonna talk for a while, DJ some more. Uh, stay tuned. This is the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Sing one more time. We have too much music to play. Don't feel no way. Boogie one and Roblox style.
Red Bull Music Academy Radio, keep it locked. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RVMA Radio. We've been in the mix with Mike Simonetti of 2MR for the past hour. Um, Mike, what was that track you just played? It was um something that's just sitting around. <laughs> Is that going to be released or? I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Adam? I think we should. I mean, how many records are you guys pressing when you do a record? Not many. 300? 300. Yeah. I think you could sell 300 of those. Yeah. They're all all vinyl only on 2MR? No, we do CDs for full length. CDs for full length, but we you don't do... CD, right? No. We, didn't yeah, we? only dust. Yeah. Oh, and and Hell Blue. Blue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do you put them on, like, do you sell just the digital tracks online yeah, anywhere yeah. you do do that yeah it's everywhere streaming all that shit. for the 12 inches as well or yeah. just the albums oh Everything. i didn't realize that for at some point I, were you were you guys final only at some point never okay no. i'm glad <laughs> yeah it's kind, <laughs> kind of, of sick of that defeatist yeah. yeah yeah what is the point anyways um so mike you have a really really long history in music um I was reading that you actually started in the club scene in New York in the late '80s. Yeah, were you you were living in New Jersey then? Have you always mm-hmm. been? So yeah, always. Old. You are now. You always have been. Have you ever lived in New York City? Never. Just always been a Jersey guy. Yeah. So how? I mean, how did you get into this? How did you become? A, well, you were a promoter at Mars. Yeah. How did How did that happen? Uh, I met. I went to this high school in Jersey City called St. Peter's Prep. It sounds weird to yourself on headphones. And um, I met this dude who got me into like basically house music and rap and stuff. And then he ended up getting a job at Mars as a door guy who picked people to get in. You were the guy who No, no, no. Them. My friend who... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, you want a job? I was like, yeah, because I need money, you know. So I would just get... I would put my stamp on the back of a flyer and I would get a dollar for every flyer that comes back. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So I make like a hundred bucks a week or something, two hundred bucks a week. Were you handing out the flyers in Jersey? No, in New York. All clubs in New York. Oh, okay. So you were going around to clubs. How old were you at the time? 17. Okay. 18, um, 17. But I mean... 18, 17. What, I mean, what were you going out to clubs before this guy asked you if you wanted a job or is that kind of what got you into I was, it? well, I was a hardcore kid. Right. So I was going to like shows, but I wasn't going really going to clubs as much. You weren't going like to dance, this to dance clubs as well? No, no. Okay. So that's when you started your Trouble Man Unlimited was your first label? Yeah, that was 93. Okay. And that was... That was after all this stuff. Okay. So how did that happen? The transition from... So the club thing was really just a job then? Well, it was a job, but I was obsessed with it. I mean, 
until I got fired for sleeping, though. I fell asleep and missed work because I had to get there at like 2 in the morning and I fell asleep. Oh, man. Got if fired. I got in trouble for falling asleep in the club, I would have been fired a long No, I fell asleep at home. At home. <laughs> Not at the club, at home. Oh, you didn't show up when yeah. you were supposed to be there. What were you supposed to be doing there? Promote. I was supposed to get go to club, get pick up flyers and hand them out. Oh, but I was I taking a nap because I was going to be out until 5 in the morning. Man, that's pretty harsh to but lose then your club, dollar a flyer job over yeah. falling asleep. Once. It was a very, it was a very in-demand <laughs> job because you know you get to go places, for, all the clubs for free. Oh, so I bounce around. I go to like you know, building, NASA, save the world, all that stuff. Just bounce. Around. Okay, and th- these were the days when they didn't, they didn't card in New York. No, it was lawless, no, man. Yeah, nobody cared. Mars was right where um, the standard is. The right. Hotel. <clears throat> yeah. And not, not very lawless these days. You know the lot in front of the standard that's like an empty parking lot? Right. That's where Mars was. And behind it, where the standard is, was just meat packing plants. There's nothing there at all. There's um, just hookers at, at, on the weekends. Say, so knock down the building Mars was in to build to a, parking lot. a parking lot. Isn't there a song about that? I don't know. You tell me. It paved Mars, but parking lot. <laughs> Um, so how, so how Johnny old, Mitchell. <laughs> how old were you when you started Trouble Man Unlimited? Um, I was in college, so 22, 23. And what, like what resources were you using to press records or you, you were doing records, cassettes, zines, Yeah, I start, it started as a zine and then I made a cassette demo that went with one of the zines and then I did a cassette compilation after that and then from that money I made off that, which wasn't much. I just put out a seven inch. Okay. And at the time I was hanging out with people who ran labels, so it was easy to figure out. It's kinda like how it is now, you know, everyone now has a la- has a label and is putting out mediocre records. Yeah. It's kinda how it was back then too. It's the same kind of thing. Like seriously. But, Except it was hardcore records back then. But hardcore. And now it's was... tw- now it's you know, twelve inches. Techno twelve inches. Right. So over the years you went from from doing these hardcore releases, things got maybe more weirder, darker, like more Yeah, I mean it happened slowly, you know, like I was um well I was a metalhead before I was a hardcore kid. Like I started off as a metalhead, became a hardcore kid, worked at the clubs. But I was the metalhead and the hardcore kid the whole time as well. Right. <clears throat> and I was always putting out dark music anyway. Like hardcore is kind of dark. When you were doing <clears throat> when you were doing all this music on Trouble Man Unlimited, were you still interested in dance music, rap? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that but you weren't I guess why the choice to release all this hardcore music then when you were and not you, when did you start putting out dance music, I guess? Um, wow, that was with Italians. Well, no, that was with Trouble Man, but that was like... Shit. A long time ago. Like 10 years ago, maybe? Uh-huh. 15 years? 12 years ago? The uh, first Glass Candy 12-inch. That was electronic. Right. It was on a Trouble Man. We, we did two 12-inches. We, I did we, me. Glass Candy <laughs> and this band Tussle from California. Oh, yeah, I remember Tussle. I love that. Yeah, we did two 12-inches. They were like white labels. And yeah, I remember those actually. On Trouble Man, I was yeah. playing those. They were good. Yeah, I like them. So that would have been like mid two thousands, early, early. I think two thousand three. Okay, that's mid. That's mid. Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah. We started the bunker in two thousand three. I actually remember playing those records at the bunker. Really? Yeah. And um, the Tussle ones. Yeah. At a uh, Subtonic. Subtonic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, around that, I was thinking it was actually a little later, but uh, might have been. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. That's what Discogs is for, right? Yeah. Um, so 
Trouble Man Unlimited came to an end and Italians Do It Better started, or...? No, they were both happening at the same time for a while. And why... And neither... Why did Trouble Man Unlimited end? I just got burnt out. Like, CDs were were dead, and it was just vinyl. People just putting out vinyl. And I was just sick and tired of dealing with, like, you know, indie rock bands and attitudes and lawyers and all that stuff. So I was like, I'll put out some 12 inches, some LPs by your by these bands, and you could do whatever you want afterwards. Right. That was like the end of Trouble Man. But they were all really became really popular. I should have stayed. But <laughs> was there a hard end, or did it just kind of just stopped? Just kind of stopped mm-hmm. as you. And then uh, Italians do it better. What was what's what was that label about? Um, it started off with the compilation After Dark, which was um, basically it was three four bands. And it got picked up by Pitchfork and was named Best New Music. And it was like in November. <clears throat> so that meant that like it was in November, which is it was going to be the front page of Pitchfork over the Christmas break. So it was up there for like two months. Like it's Best New Music. It, we just got lucky. And it was like the beginning of it all was there. We just kept getting orders and orders and orders for it. And did it, why did you start Italians to it better? Was it? Oh, because the 12 inches weren't going anywhere on Trouble Man. It wasn't working. Okay, so you needed a new outlet for, for 12 inches, like for dance 12 inches of more dance music yeah. direction. Mm-hmm. So why why that the shift was basically because you were sick of dealing with bands and the politics, politics and bands, and like trying to explain to people, hey, this is 12 inch, this is dance music. They they weren't buying it. They didn't understand. Yeah, this is before. Nowadays, everyone's listening to everything. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, everybody, it's it's easier for everybody to listen to everything yeah. now. They don't have to, they don't have to pay fifteen dollars a yeah. CD yeah. to check something out. Um, so when talking about your DJ career, or I don't know if you want to call it a career, but when when did you start? You mean career air quotes? Yeah, career? yeah, the air quotes career. But when did you like? Why you didn't really transition from a label guy to a DJ? But how? How did that come about? DJing? Yeah. Um, well, when I le- when I was at the height of Trouble Man, well, maybe not the height, beginning, I was always, I was into collecting, like, I was a rap, into rap, and I was buying funk and soul records and, you know, looking for the samples and stuff, you know? Because back yeah. then, you didn't have the internet, so. Yeah. You listen to records at record stores. And I ended up, I started playing that kind of, like, funk and soul and rap at clubs around New York, like, at the Knitting Factory in the basement. When was that? That was 1999, 2000, 2001. Okay, yeah, I think that's around the era I first heard of you DJing in New York. You were DJing with Dan Selzer. Yeah. And Chris from Rubelod. Right. So you DJed at Rubelod a lot. Yeah, I was DJed all the time. And Happy Birthday Hideout. Yeah. Till 4 p.m. the next day. Wow. And were <laughs> the. You had a party at that spot. In Williamsburg. Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was me and Chris as well. It was called Contort Yourself after the Contortion song. And you had really big bands play at this thing? Yeah, it held 70 people. Yeah, no, I remember that bar. We had the Fall play there. <laughs> yeah. The Gossip played there. Glass Candy played there. The Fall played... Boogaloo. At Boogaloo? Yeah. And my friend got locked on a roof with Marky Smith. And they, they cl- the club closed down. <laughs> For the night, and they were up there until the next day, just doing blow all night. Yeah, I think that's about right for yeah. Marky Smith. 
Yeah, and Boogaloo. I think I think cocaine well, Boogal- was yeah. ultimately the well, downfall of Boogaloo, right? Crack <laughs> might have been the downfall of Boogaloo. Wow, yeah. same thing. No, it's not. Nancy's seen it in action. <laughs> the, a- after 4 a.m., we close the doors, and we let we have the, we start the after hours part portion of the evening, <laughs> and it would be all neighborhood people coming in, and me and Chris would play like dance hall reggae and rap and a little bit of disco in house. But mainly because da- I like dance hall, as you know from the last song I played. Yeah. And the, the crowd would, would switch over from, you know, hipsters to whatever, you know, wasted hipsters were left. But neighborhood people. Yeah, I, I remember that about that place. And neighborhood people were mostly, they were mostly drug dealers. And they would be dealing. I remember that about yeah, that place, too. <laughs> Coke and crack. And they would be smoking crack in the back room. While I was DJing, and they, the drug dealers would hang out in the bathrooms, and there'd be a line to go into the bathroom to buy drugs, not to go to the bathroom. So it's amazing this place got shut down. I know. What crazy. happened? What, what, what went wrong? I remember when. It, I remember <laughs> Sounds when. Sounds like such a fun neighborhood joint. <laughs> well, what happened? Well, it's crazy because the cops would come, but they can't come. They can't just bust into your club. And you, I don't understand why, but they just couldn't. So whenever the cops would come, they turn off all the lights, and we'd all just stand there quietly till they drove away. <laughs> And then we'd start up again. But um, I remember that um, they caught Saddam Hussein, like when they found him. I was DJing and someone was like, hey man, they just found Saddam Hussein. I was like, all right, thanks. Like, <laughs> that's what I remember the most about Boogaloo. That was one of my biggest Boogaloo memories. That was a, yeah, that was, that was a big that deal. Was a, that was an era. That, that oh, I thought meant Saddam Hussein being found. Yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, Boogaloo was though. Yeah, it was fun. It was crazy, but fun. So, I mean, what was the next era after after that? After Boogaloo and this early 2000s DJing, you continued... I, st- I like, kept staying... Uh, well, that's like between that and... That kind of ended in... During that time, I was doing this the motherfucker parties. Remember those? Yeah, I do. With Justine D and... Right. I was doing the motherfucker parties and I was doing um, Rubelade. Whatever happened to motherfucker? That was an... It I just mean, stopped. Because that was a huge... Was that huge. was like the huge party huge. in New York. That yeah. everybody... Punks. Yeah, it was everyone. Club... Like, everybody went to that. It just ended. I think they just stopped it, you know? Ended on a high note. I remember there were a lot of people involved in it, I bet. There, there were five people involved, but like, oh, there's other people who are also... Yeah, that, well, something with that many people can never last. Yeah. Um, so how did you go from playing all these New York, like small after hours and bigger parties in New York to becoming a touring DJ? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when kind of happened? When did you, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, what, when, when do you remember like first playing outside of New York? Actually, okay. I think I remember how it happened. Um, Italians put out this group tie-dye from, from Gothenburg, mm-hmm. Sweden. They're like Balearic live band. And we they did a cover of Metallica, Nothing Else Matters, like a Balearic instrumental version. It's really good. And they were like, you should come out and DJ, you know. So I went out to DJ, and it was fun. It was great. You know, it's like, holy shit, man. This is amazing. You're in, I'm in, I'm in Gothenburg, Sweden, playing, you know, music to people. So I went back home, and I was like, well, i got to find a booker. It took me like a year to find a booker. But me and Tim Sweeney were, were traveling a lot together at the time. Okay. So we went back. He was just starting up as well, like being, he was traveling a little bit. We went to, we went back to Sweden, because that's the only people I knew. And we um, did a little tour there, and then we just kind of kept going from there. And I found Glass Candy a booker, because they were huge at the time. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And so I would travel with them and DJ. 
be like the opening DJ at their well, show. Well, we also do like after parties. I do the after parties and stuff, and that's kind of how it all started. That's a that's a big thing in the like modern era of music where bands are on tour and then members of the band are DJing clubs yeah, as well. Yeah, it's terrible. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I won't name names, but a friend of mine was on tour with a, a no way uh, with a band recently, and they were they were actually losing money on all their shows, which were huge shows. But the production and flying everybody around, all the staff, crew, and then these guys would go like they were only making money because that shows were getting them to cities where they would go and DJ yeah. the after party clubs. Like that's where the, the money was because that's just like it's a guy showing fire, up with some. It? To say it's the arcade fire. <laughs> no, it's just a guy showing up with uh, USBs. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I was never in the band, so I was just traveling with them and DJing. Right. Um, so at some point this brings us, well, 2MR is really new. This is just the last couple years. Um, I think Pale Blue came out in April. Yeah, April 2015. Yeah. Took us a year and a half to play a show, but we did it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We were going to do the New York show, right? Yeah, we still could if you want. Yeah, when's that happening? You asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said yes. And that's, yeah, we'll do, no, I think that's where the conversation. <laughs> no, we're going to do it. I'm just, I'm just, you know, slow, moving slow. Right. Um, and I guess we should mention we're doing this. Kids just take, you know. I'm sorry. Kids just take up all your fucking time, man. How many kids do you have? Two. How old are they? Eight and four. All your time. Yeah, I, I mean, all my time. I'm. Amazed with the amount you and really everybody I know with children when I see them around the children and spend time with people I don't understand how things get done. You don't really see me unless I'm DJing though, do you? You? No. That's because I'm home with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> when you start seeing parents out at the club at night when they're not oh, working, no, then you start wonder, start wondering about the parents. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like when people who have children invite yeah. me over to their house for dinner because oh, yeah. they can't do anything else but have you over for dinner. Yeah. And then you just see how much you don't want to have. You don't want to go over to dinner at someone's house with kids. It's fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> and if they're sleeping, you got to talk quietly. You can't even like have a conversation. <laughs> just sit there and talk about the kids. Oh, it's um, terrible. So uh, why two MR? It's an, another yet another label. I'll let Adam handle this one. Okay. Uh, stands for two mics Lemmy records. Style. Yeah. And yeah. the other mic is Mike Sniper of Captured Tracks. And they've both put out records on each other's labels. And then. Record. Um, Blank Dogs, his old band. Okay. On Trouble Man. Okay. I sent him the Pell Blue album. I emailed it to him. I was like, you want to put this out? He went back the next day. Yeah. That was it. Now, I remember <laughs> we, we played in the office and oh, really? his mic was like, tell me if this is good. And we, we were all like, wow, this is... He didn't really understand it, right? Yeah, he yeah. was just like, oh, Story if you think life. it's good, let's do it. So Because he's not a dance music guy. No. No. Not at all. So then he was like, uh, I w- he goes, I want to put it out. I go, why don't you start a label? Why don't we start a dance label? Like, all right. And that was it. That's how it started. So I'm, I'm guessing he's living, leaving all the A&R and creative control up to... You two guys, Adam and Mike. Only yeah. we only hit him up for legal shit. Yeah, he's really good about that. He just, just trusts. Been us having to a do little whatever. bit of legal issues lately. Is he? We're gonna leave it that. <laughs> is he handling all the production for you guys, or do you have to deal with the pressing plants and everything? I do all that. Yeah. I mean, Adam is like does every, it's more Adam's label than anyone's. <laughs> no, seriously, like he does a, a lot of work. Yeah, like I'm sure. He's like the man who does. 
when I do inter- other interviews, I'm like, it's ma- mainly Adam and then me and then Mike. That's like the hierarchy. Right. Yeah, but you're the cool guy. So. Yeah, but yeah, I'm real cool. I mean, you're eating Funyuns together in the studio. <laughs> you're the guy who gets to do all the DJ gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's fun too. It's great, right? Waking, DJing till 7 a.m., catching the 10 a.m. flight home. Yeah, it's super <laughs> it's awesome. It's great. It's so cool. It's so fun. <laughs> us starring DJs are so yeah. cool. And everybody should want to be us. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you could always be working a nine-to-five job. I was like, yeah, well, we'll be sleeping at least. And... Right. But this <laughs> is, I mean, this is part of the reason you live in New Jersey, correct? So you don't have to work like a... Well, no, where I live, it's expensive. I live in Maplewood, New Jersey. It's like living in New York. So why are you doing that? Because the schools are good, and I've always oh, lived there. Kids again? Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason. I would. I'd be living in Europe if I didn't have kids. Huh? I wouldn't be here, man. Yeah. Who wants to live here? But you said now. You said you want to move to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'm thinking about it. I'm okay. looking. We're looking at other places to move. Because it's so expensive and just everything. Tri-state area. You try getting around around here. It's fucking miserable, man. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, and as you said, you're not really. If you're staying close to New York, you're only saving a little bit of money yeah. by not being actually in New York. I mean, my family's in Jersey, but you know they're old. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, you do the math. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, and like. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy. So um, anyway, how's your label going? No, uh, my label's going pretty well. It's... Does anyone ever interview interview you on this? No, not really. I'd love to interview you. <laughs> sure, go for it. We've got 28 minutes. Really? <laughs> really? You could, could you, I? You could interview me. Can I turn the tables? You can. Sure. <laughs> Shit, man, this is fun. Okay. So, what was the f- when's the first time you went out to a club? Uh, the. F- and where was it? And so to to see a band or see a DJ? No, like you know, dance music stuff. Because you grew up in New York, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh. No, no, I grew up in Pittsburgh, but New York. The first um, time I went to hear dance music was a party that my friends booked me to play at when I was about sixteen, because I was uh, DJing at the time at WRCT. What's that? It's Carnegie Mellon's radio station that I just somehow met people there and ended up with a radio show there when I was in high school. And the people who did dance music there liked what I was doing and they booked me to play in the chill out room at their party. And that was the first time I heard people play. Like then, uh, that, like 95, 96, drum and bass was really big. Like everybody was trying yeah. to figure out how to make drum and bass and play drum and bass. It's kind of cute. Um, kind of like now. Yeah. <laughs> now they're trying to figure it out again. How did they do that? <laughs> like tech, yeah, drum and bass is back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved all the breakbeat stuff you were playing. That was yeah. pretty jungly. Just trying to stay ahead of the trends, man. Yeah. Got to keep the mortgage paid. Yeah. That's all you can do. I'm just kidding. So anyway, that was like 95? Yeah. And what clubs were you playing at? Well, then I was, that was in a gym at Carnegie Mellon University. Oh. And then another one at an art gallery. Where, where is Carnegie Mellon? Uh, Oakland in Pittsburgh. Okay. It's like right by University of Pittsburgh uh, and the Carnegie Museum. Mm-hmm. And then you left Pittsburgh when? I left Pittsburgh to go to college, which was 96. And college? Then 
college one year in New Jersey at oh, Rutgers. You went to Rutgers? I went to Rutgers for a year, and I was spending every weekend in, and a lot of times actually getting back, like I would go to Concrete Jungle on mm-hmm. Mondays yeah. in New York, and then like Me get too. on. I've been there a few yeah, times. Get on the first train on Tuesday morning back to New Jersey to go to class. There's no direct train from New York to Rutgers. Yeah, huh? From Penn Station, you can take New Jersey Transit to oh, New Brunswick. There's, I don't think there is any. There's an issue with that now. I think they switched everything. Oh, really? It's just yeah. Northeast Corridor. But yeah, I like after, how you, so do you go to the grease trucks? I sure did. To get a what was a fat fat Stanley? No, that's flat Stanley. Fat. I can't remember the name of the sandwich I got, but those sandwiches are pretty legendary. There, they moved. The, they got rid of them. The grease trucks. They moved them next to the library now. Why did they keep getting rid of everything? They built the high rise there. They're taking over the whole city of New Brunswick, Rutgers. But they got rid of the grease trucks? They moved them. Like, they're all spread apart now. That's a bummer. And there's, like, vegan restaurants there now. It's not the same, you know? Yeah, I haven't been to New Brunswick in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, anyways, after a year of living in New Jersey, in New Brunswick, but constantly traveling to New York to go to clubs and do music stuff, I transferred to NYU because I just, yeah. I basically had to. What were you studying? I was studying film at NYU, and I got through that in, I think college altogether took me, it was under three years. Did I, you have Spike Lee as your teacher? I did not. Oh, fuck. I don't know if I would have wanted that. We've been awesome. <laughs> what, did you make any films? Uh, I made some, like, experimental shorts and things in school, yeah, but I didn't. This is interesting, right? I mean, I'm really interested in this. I've always wanted to know, learn about your past, because <laughs> you've always, always been around, but... You yeah, know, I don't get I ever get to talk to you because I'm never around. Yeah, you aren't. Right? Is this? A, I mean, you guys. Yeah. I don't know how Adam feels. I don't know how the label boss feels about it. Keep the label boss is like, aren't we supposed to be playing all the unreleased yeah. tracks <laughs> <laughs> and talking about two MR? <laughs> all right. So after the films, <coughs> when did, what was your first New York gig? First New York DJ gig. Um, I think it was for my friends Amoeba, Amoeba Technologies, which was Doc, who di- ended up doing sound for me at the bunker many years mm-hmm. later, and this guy Tom Stir. And that was somewhere on Houston. I can't remember the name of the bar. It was drum and bass? That was more like when I came to New York, the whole kind of ilbient and post-ilbient thing was really big, and that's what everybody was doing. So there was drum and bass, but it was kind of uh, that mixed with a whole bunch of Man, other things. Ilbient. Remember that? I, no, I, yeah, I, I lived that for a couple years. I mean, I ultimately ran DJ Olive and yeah. James Healy's record label. What was that? What was the label that put a couple of twelve inches out? Was it? What was his label? DJ Olive's. Yeah, it was the Agriculture. No, if there's another label, not the, forget it. Sorry, I'm just it's like <laughs> flashbacks. But yeah, I was I was pretty involved in that scene. I played at the Sound Lab parties on Orchard Street a lot, and after a while, I played at that guy Satamali. Remember him? No like an electro label i played at his parties and after i well i guess i was in new york for a while before i started my party at halcyon undercity in 99 and uh i was just i was sick of bothering people all the time to book me to dj it wasn't like i was getting gigs but i was just like this is just the energy and vibe of asking people to play all the time I just got sick of it, so I just started doing my own parties. Yeah. See, we were totally running parallel to each other in the city. Huh. It's different scenes, but doing the same shit. Yeah. See? That's what I was trying to get at, Adam. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So, 
I could keep going, but let's just stop there because Adam looks mad at me. <laughs> Not mad at all. No, I'm just kidding. This dude never gets mad. Ever. His girlfriend told me that you could like do whatever you want. He doesn't get mad. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Try me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's take it to present day. You traveling anywhere recently? Lately? Um, I was just in Asia last month. I played in in Seoul, Tokyo, and Shanghai. And earlier last month, I went to Germany to play at Nacht Digital Festival, and Amsterdam to play at Deckmantel. And so, when you went to um, Asia with Shanghai, was it mostly Euros, right? European people. Um, no, really, because no, I was just out there recently, and it was just all Euros. It was weird, huh? Yeah. No, it didn't seem like that at all. I was hanging out mostly with the guy who brought me there, his girlfriend and her mom, and they got really excited that I was so excited about eating Chinese food. So we were mostly <laughs> on eating. a tour of yeah, tour of food. <laughs> Sounds good to me. No, it was pretty awesome. Cool. Well, I want to come back and interview you more. Okay, maybe that'll be. Maybe we could do that as another RBMA radio show. Yeah, you could do like a little like a sub. Show like you know turning the tables, <laughs> Brian, <laughs> like an NPR type thing. Let's do it. I'll get Terry Gross in here. All right. Do you so, want to play some more music? We have twenty minutes left. Yeah, Adam. Adam, what do you want here, Adam? Adam. Oh, let it disclaimer. There's been some train wrecks because I'm trying to mix live off the SoundCloud off the computer, which is your kid's fault. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She was a doctor today. She fell to school. Yep. Kids. Happens. What are you gonna do? I sent Adam a photo, right? You see the picture? Yeah, it was very distressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty funny picture. <laughs> so um yeah, so I was we're playing half a lot of the two MR stuff is off the computer, off the SoundCloud. The, that we don't even I didn't bring a USB with music in it. Right. Because I'm really prepared. Yeah, but it sounded Franco good. for letting in yeah, letting yeah. Us use his computer. <laughs> <laughs> so hi. professional. Say hi. Hey. <laughs> Got Franco from Boiler Room in here as well. <laughs> yeah. Full house today. Yeah, it's <laughs> hot in here, right? Is it it is starting to get hot in here, yeah. Speaking of hot in here, did you hear that about Nelly? No. Tell us. <laughs> He's like, uh, see if I got the story right. He's in huge tax debt, right? So the only way for him to make his money back is if you um, Spotify hot in here like 500 million times or something. And so there's like a campaign to listen to hot in here 500 million. Someone did the math. Like, listen to hot in here 500 million times. He'll make his like $10,000 back for tax money. He so, needs $10,000. 10, no, you know what I mean? Not 10000 but like if you do 500 million, to me, I think 500 million plays equals like, you know, $45 from Spotify anyway. So more or less. Yes. So like everyone's playing hot in here all the time now for him to get his money back. Huh? Yeah. I'll have to listen out for that. So I'm going to play, we're going to open up with Hot in here, and then we're going to play <laughs> some other songs. <laughs> All right, yeah. well. So what are you thinking, Adam? Um, some Tour Mar stuff, yeah. maybe? Start with one. <laughs> no, start with one. I'm saying, what do you think? Yeah. Which one? <laughs> this one that's playing, I mean, it's pretty chill, though. You'd be surprised, like, you'd think I'd have not run a label for 20 years. So, yeah. All right. Ready to go? Yeah, we're ready. Let's hear some 2MR music. We've got about 15 minutes left here. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
I've seen another world. Sometimes I think it was just my imagination. together like water till I can't tell you from me I drink you now
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio, here with Mike Simonetti of 2MR. We have about five minutes left here. Uh, We should hype this party that we're doing together on Saturday on the roof. Um, That's the roof at Output. It's a day party from 2 to 10 p.m. It's Simonetti, myself... Uh, from our label, we have Clay Wilson, and from your level label, you have Earth Boys. Uh, what's the deal with Earth Boys? Who is that? It's uh, Mike from Dust, and this guy Julian from Sister Jam. Uh, they're both Brooklyn guys, and bartenders yeah. at Bossa Nova. Well, yeah, Mike. Mike from is Dust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Julian throws parties, and yeah, they're around. Cool. Mm-hmm. So we have some info up on that at thebunkerny.com. Uh, I'm not sure what it costs at the door, but we're offering free admission to people who are on our drip, the Bunker New York drip. Uh, what's the website for drip? It's Kickstarter. Kickstarter.drip.com. What's drip? The, bunker. the drip is our subscription service and it's like a mailing list. No, it's people pay in our case, they pay $10 a month. And they get all the music digitally the day it comes out. And we also give them discount. Like for this party, they're getting in free. Oh, yeah. I think most you, of our parties, we spoke about that. Okay. Yeah, for most of our parties, they get in $10 off. It's kind of like a fan club. Like for interesting. Our fans. Yeah, cool. it works out well. People people really like it. It seems to be working out maybe better than for us than most labels. Because aside from just the music we're offering, they are, they're getting into mm-hmm. events as well. It's so like it, worldwide parties? Does it matter? Um, it could be. It's usually not because I'm not usually in control of the door worldwide, but I could like, yeah. if I was playing in Seoul and had some extra guest list spots for all of our drip members in Seoul, of which there are tons, mm-hmm. I could like offer them guest list. Tons? I'm kidding. I oh. did probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to say before we sign off, guys? Uh, I played a bunch of unreleased tracks of mine that are unmixed and mastered so they might sound a little thin shitty and low uh where should people go for more information about 2mr facebook soundcloud instagram it's pretty usual they're all yeah all the, myspace yeah. Mm, <laughs> know about that. myspace music i'm Is still, still, still working on that yeah. side yeah all right well thanks for joining us today um what is this we're listening to right now this is from the LAC EP that just came out. Oh, we were playing some tracks from this yeah. at the beginning as well. Yeah, I really like this one. Yeah. Um, and you're going to play one more unreleased track? We're going to lead out with Bulkhead. Uh, this is our next 12-inch release date, TBD. Toronto? But, yeah. Cool. Canada. You like this one, too. Okay, this cool. up your alley. Okay, so we're going to end the show with that. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been great having you guys in here. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.